0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Neurohacker. As you probably know, being active with my kids and getting everything done for the day depends on me staying in my prime physically and mentally for as long as possible and valuing the most research-backed ingredients known to science for a better and more graceful and optimized aging process. There's something called senescent cells, also known as zombie cells, that are basically worn out cells that are no longer serving a useful function for our health they can waste our energy, and they take nutritional resources. They tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age, leading to things like aches and pains, slow recovery, and sluggish mental and physical energy, and associated with that middle age feeling. Senolytic ingredients from Neurohacker are a new thing I'm experimenting with. They're science-backed to support our body's natural elimination of senescent cells. Neurohacker packs seven of the most science-backed Senolytic ingredients into a formula called Qualia Senolytic, and you can take it for just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits and a much better aging process. I've been experimenting with this as well. The formula is non-GMO, vegan and gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all of them together. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, so you have almost three months to try Qualia Senolytic at no risk and decide for yourself. Go to neurohacker.com slash mama15 and use the coupon code mama15 to save 15% on any purchase. That's n-e-u-r-o-h-a-c-k-e-r.com slash m-a-m-a-15 and the coupon code mama15 to save. This podcast is brought to you by Bon Charge and specifically their revolutionary sauna blanket. I know you've heard me talk about the benefits of sauna before, and I've said that if this was a pill, I think everyone would take it because of the really well researched benefits of sauna on everything from reduction of all cause mortality, increased longevity, better cardiovascular markers. Sauna is in general considered an exercise memetic, meaning that you get many of the same benefits like sweating, like cardiovascular function, and even lymphatic movement from using sauna regularly. But I know that often it's hard to a sauna in a house and saunas can be really, really pricey. And that's why I'm so excited to see things like this sauna blanket entering the market. This can really heat up your wellness routine because you get all the benefits of sauna from detoxifying, to better sleep, to better skin. Um, This is something I try to make a part of my regular routine at least several times a week. And the blanket makes it even easy to do even if you don't have a lot of space for a regular sauna because you can simply pull out this sauna blanket and roll it out turn up the heat, slip inside and enjoy the benefits. Easy clean up with a damp cloth, and then you can just roll it up and store it under a bed or in a closet. I'm a big fan of putting on a podcast or an audiobook and spending 30 to 45 minutes in the sauna. And it feels like a total brain reset and body reset. So I love making this a regular part of my routine. You can check it out by going to bondcharge.com wellnessmama and using the code wellnessmama to save 20% on a sauna blanket. Again, that's B O N C H A R G E dot com slash wellness mama and use the code Wellness Mama to save 20%. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and I really enjoyed this conversation that was all about the survival paradox, how our innate healing abilities can turn it against us, and that also went deep on what our guest calls open heart medicine. And really put some specifics to the mind-heart-body connection and this piece that I've talked about some in my own recovery journey and how dealing with the inner affected the outer so, so profoundly. And I'm here with Dr. Isaac Elias, who is considered a leading expert in the field of integrative medicine. He specializes in cancer, detoxification, immunity, and other complex conditions. He's a very well-respected physician, researcher, author, educator, and mind-body practitioner. And he's working with institutes like the National Institutes of Health, Columbia University and others. And he's co-authored many studies on integrative therapies for a lot of the things we talk about today. He's also the founder and the medical director of a medical clinic in California, where he has pioneered the use of therapeutic aparesis as an adjunctive blood filtration treatment for detoxification and chronic degenerative conditions. And while he is extremely well-versed in the deep science side, I love that this conversation flowed. Very deeply into the mind body heart integration side. And we start off talking about how he got to study with meditation masters in the Himalayas and how this led to what he now calls open heart medicine and how our feelings and emotions and hearts can actually very much impact our physiology. He explains what the survival paradox is and what this new paradigm of understanding is for health and disease, how it relates to fight or flight, the feminine principle in Chinese medicine, and how this relates to health what alarming protein is and how it impacts the body, moving both physically and emotionally emotionally from reactivity to responsiveness, the fibrotic process that happens when our body locks down emotions, what the most physically reactive foods are and how to avoid foods that will contribute to the survival system activating. We talk about cytokine storms and their relation to the survival paradox. We go deep on the topic of a protein called galactin-3 and how to block it to attenuate the inflammatory response. We talk about the importance of addressing toxins in food and water and ways to give our kids the best foundation in life and help them avoid encounters with the survival paradox. He talks about the studies on gratitude and health and how to nurture gratitude and the distinction of letting go versus giving up and so much more. So like I said, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's a not talked about enough piece of physical health, which is that inner alignment, emotional and and mental and spiritual health as well. And I think he ties it in really well with such a unique perspective from both sides of that. So without further ado, let's join Dr. Isaac. Dr. Elias, welcome and thanks so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Me too. And I got to preview your work and read through your book and I'm very excited for this conversation. Before we jump into the survival paradox and break that down though, I also noticed in your bio that you got to study under some of the greatest meditation masters in the Himalayas and meditation has been a big part of my journey in the last five years. So I would love to hear how you ended up doing that and what it was like
0: uh i started my journey in meditation and in uh, martial arts and healing arts as a teenager in korea in south korea i'm a native of israel my father was an engineer so that was my introduction and since then i've been meditating it's uh, getting close to 50 years so i'm not so young anymore Uh, but i got very interested in uh, So always meditation was part of my life. But then when I got, when I was 30 years old and I came to the United States, I got very interested in Buddhism and I got very involved in unusual meditation training. And I spent 10 years, half a day meditating and half a day working. And for 20 years, I would go to the mountains for two to three months a year and just meditate and practice. And as part of this, I got to be the doctor of some of the most legendary meditation masters in the Himalayas that were also my, my teachers. And uh, this very esoteric, how to come by, uh, only one of them is alive now in his late 90s. Uh, all this unique and esoteric training, uh, I've put it together into a, a simpler concept that I call open heart medicine, the infinite healing power of love and compassion. Uh, that is innate within us in general and there's a bigger door to it when we are parents, especially when we are mothers, you know, the, the unconditional nursing and taking care. And so I use it as a healing tool that I, in my medical practice, Tamitama Medical Clinic, but also when I teach meditation and healing. So I still do it. I, I'm still in touch. I get the WhatsApp messages from the assistants of these masters <laughs> on a daily basis. And so I'm, and I stay a student while I also share my little bit of the knowledge I gathered over decades.
1: I love that. And I'm excited later in this conversation to delve into the heart side of the medicine and to go deeper on that. But for background context, I would love if you could walk us through sort of the basis, the foundation of your new book, The Survival Paradox, what that term means. And then we're going to build from there into all, all the things that fit within that umbrella.
0: So The survivor Paradox offered in, offers a new paradigm in our understanding of health and disease. We know in integrative medicine, at least for a long time, that inflammation drives uh, multiple illnesses, acute and chronic. The cytokine storm in COVID is very, very well known to many people. But inflammation is really not a cause, it's a result. What drives our inflammatory response is our survival drive. And the paradox is that the survival drive, Katie, that is built within us, in every cell in our body, that keeps us alive, is also what gets us sick, what gets us miserable, what gets us uh, not to enjoy life, and what shortens our life. And that's the paradox. And because it is built within us, it's automated through the autonomic nervous system, and then the biochemical system wakes up. We'll talk more about it. And just by understanding it, we open a door to a shift and the shift is multidimensional and I'll be delighted to touch about it as we go through through our interview today
1: Yeah, I'm excited to delve deeper on this, both understanding like the physiological things that are happening within the survival paradox. And then I would guess by understanding that you said sort of awareness is even just understanding it can be a huge key to this. But I would guess that knowledge can help us find the sweet spot of honoring our body's survival mechanisms in a way that aligns with the modern society that we live in. Does this relate to, for instance, you often hear that example of that we have all these things that were designed to protect us when we were chased by a saber-toothed tiger, but now in today's world, we're not chased by a saber-toothed tiger, but yet our body still interprets stress in the same way. Would that be an example of what you're talking about?
0: This is an example. So that's an extreme example. But whenever the body feels stress, whenever it feels that it's being injured physically, biochemically, emotionally, psychologically, psychospiritually, or our ancestors has been under a hard time genetically and epigenetically, it's passed to us, we respond. So automatically we respond just like you described with a sympathetic response. We either fight, which equates to inflammation, to struggle, to reactivity, or we hide and run away, which which relates to fear, to being frozen, and also to hiding. And how do we hide? By creating a place where nobody sees us. Physiologically, we create a microenvironment, an environment that is different than the environment of the rest of the body. And this environment is a place where autoimmune diseases uh, start, where metabolic diseases start, where cancer growth, where heavy metals and toxins hide, where infection can can be shielded. And it's, for example, our biofilm and damage to our microbiome in the gut. It's the arteriosclerotic plaque. And the classical of inappropriate survival is when a cell forgets that it's a part of a community. you know, this is a wellness mama. It's not a wellness papa podcast. One of the things that is very, very, uh, with the principle of what we call the feminine principle in Chinese medicine is that women have a way of supporting each other and creating a network, a network, a feminine soft network. It's in the essence of of being, of, of the feminine principle. And this is very present in our body. We have, let's round up, 50 trillion cells, trillion, not million, not billion, trillion. Each of them has close to 1 million reactions a second. Can you imagine this? And it all works together. That's the feminine mutual support, mutual nourishing that used to be part of our endogenous communities, right? And growing our own food, etc. And then a certain cell decides it's gonna fight like more masculine energy, we fight. It doesn't want to be part of a community because as part of a community, we come, we do our work and we go and somebody else comes. And so this cell decides he doesn't want to die. He wants to keep on surviving. And this cell is called cancer cell. And eventually it will kill the host and itself. So this is a destructive powers of the survival paradox. So when it comes to the autonomic nervous system, just like you said, if we take a deep breath, okay, the tiger is not chasing us. Just relax, go out to nature, look at the sky, listen to music. Suddenly our system changes and we all experience shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And when we are too much in sympathetic mode, ongoing stress, ongoing struggle, ongoing friction, it affects our body. We're not able to relax but the biochemical system kicks in by kicking in something called alarming protein. And the key one, Galactin-3, that I've done research for almost 30 years and made the key discoveries on blocking it, is what I call the survival paradox protein. And when it gets triggered, it starts a chain of biochemical events that don't stop as easily. So our, our journey in life is to move from reactivity to responsiveness. And there is a whole way in the, the body is wired to do this. It's not like an invention of mine. We are built to do it. And we'll talk about it later on when we talk about the heart.
1: Yeah, this makes sense already, what you're saying. And I'd love to now take it from the extreme example of the tiger chasing you to now maybe what are some of some of the modern day causes of this? Because For context, I've had a personal experience with this where I had some things happen to me in high school that were extremely traumatic, and I had sort of like shut down and moved into that flight aspect of sympathetic nervous system dominance, and for years, I was doing all the things I needed to do physically to try to make my body better, and it wasn't until I addressed the emotional and inner side, actually, that even my physical health changed, which really led me to start paying attention to that relationship a lot more strongly. But it would seem like there are probably many microcauses in today's world that our body is getting that signal from. Can you walk us through what some of the inputs are that are sort of initiating that survival response?
0: Of course. So anything that causes injury to our body starts the survival response. So it can be an infection. So for example, when an infection virus like like the corona, a a bacteria, doesn't, doesn't matter what starts, you know, the body gets infected. Galactin-3, this protein, gets triggered within minutes. And then it starts a cascade of events. So it will drive the inflammation in sepsis, the cytokine storm that actually will cause us to have kidney damage and, you know, in certain conditions, 60% of the people die. So for example, my research, I have an NIH grant, I'm studying what happens when we induce sepsis, and then we remove galactin-3 with filtration of the blood, Can we prevent the damage from sepsis? So that's one extreme. But this survival response, just like you said, what you did is is you buried your emotion somewhere. In order to bury it, you had to kind of hide it. You really described it beautifully. Well, this is a fibrotic process of the body. The body knows how to do it, it creates a scar, a physical scar, an emotional scar, and a psycho-spiritual scar, and a mental scar, for example, in my book, the Survivor Paradox, the three chapters of solution: detoxification, getting rid of toxic materials, and why? Because if we are exposed to heavy metals, to mycotoxins, to pesticides, example being glyphosate, we are all bombarded. EMF, stress, we are not uh, we are not sleeping enough. We need to get back to people within seconds, right? We have to be totally reactive. There. The time of response is very short. It all affects how we live. After detoxification, the next chapter is healing the scars of survival. How can we? How could you heal the scars that you had in high school that may have happened in high school or a tendency of it may have come even from past generations? That's how profound it is. So, so this, of course, will affect heart disease, kidney disease, liver disease, uh, strokes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson, practically cancer drive cancer aggressive. Practically every disease. So now we say what we can do about it if we understand the gravity of it. Well, there are also solutions. I never talk about problems unless I offer solutions. You know, and so the idea is that we start changing it on all levels. On level of uh, galactin three, we block it with a certain supplement. On the level of emotion. We start dealing with it, like in your story. Now, what is the first step in in dealing with it that you know very well? It's for some reason, somehow, you took the time and you created the space and this revelation came up, right? That's probably what happened. And here comes the big thing. The revelation happened. We have amazing revelations in life. Like people may be hearing right now say, oh, my God, wow and somebody else will say, oh, this is nonsense. So there are different revelations, and then there's how we respond to the revelation. We can respond with a survivor response, where you become reactive and you fight it, right? Or the first step is acceptance. Once we accept, now a lot of the venom has been melted away, because it's no longer a poison, it's acceptable, And then we can start dealing with it. We can clean it, or we can transform it. You know, we can make lemonade out of lemon. So our body is built to do these kind of things. We're actually wired to do. So our body has a physiological maintenance system, all the organ and everything else, but it also has a purpose. And the purpose is to, to transform our life experience and to grow from them. That the spirituality of life, it is present in every religion and every authentic spiritual practice. And it's uh, it's there, it's innate, and it's uh, easy to miss. And that's where the magic of the heart comes in.
1: And it seems like, as you explain this, that this could become either a very positive feedback loop between the body and the, the inner experience and the mind, or a negative one. Like, as you were explaining that, I was thinking of how, in my own process, as I moved through the emotional phases of being aware of those emotions, accepting those emotions, then eventually releasing those emotions. My feelings even around the events that happened shifted from like fear and helplessness and anger and eventually got to the point of actually gratitude where I realized that that had led to such growth that my feeling in hindsight about it was now I was extremely grateful and I wouldn't have undone it even if I could have because it had led to such growth and that the emotions seemed to shift also my body in a very profound way, which made detoxification easier, which made it easier to release excess weight. And so I feel like, is there an interplay here that works symbiotically between the body and the mind and that in whatever direction we're moving, we can kind of encourage that movement? So in other words, as we're healing working through our emotions and helping the body through detoxification and nutrition and all those things can move in a positive direction. Just like you would see someone maybe who was needing those things and was kind of stuck in that, having trouble with EMFs being more sensitive or having more of a reaction to foods. Does it work both directions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's really profound. It's moving because what happened with you, you went to the core and you shook the core And you got rid of it from the inside out. That's uncommon. That's really what happened like when I teach retreats. Because we change the environment. We change the food. We do certain cleansing drinks at night. We do exercise and then I teach. And we peel off, peel off, peel off, peel off. So this is beautiful. This is what you describe as a complete detoxification and transformation. So yes, it's always multifaceted. And that's why... Uh, I teach a lot. And when I teach doctors, then it's hard for them because we are all we all like regimens. We all like protocols. And the, my only protocol is that they don't have a protocol. So each of us is different. So yes, if you, you can work on your emotions and you can work on yourself psychologically and spiritually, and if you are bombarded by pesticides and glyphosates and lead and mercury and mycotoxins from molding the house... And there is a huge antenna outside of you that is, you're not going to feel well. And it's going to affect your emotion. It's going to disrupt your gut. Well, when it disrupts your gut, 90% of your serotonin may be gone. You're going to be depressed. It's going to affect your blood, your, your gut-brain connection. And then you'll your have fogginess in your thinking. And you will be exhausted. And then it will start affecting neurotransmitters and hormones. So, of course, it's multidimensional. So there are things that are simpler. Not how, simpler, free, but not easy to do, which is one, to eat a healthier diet. To stay from things that are reactive. You are going in an interesting direction in this podcast. Which foods are the most reactive foods? Sugars, right? You eat them, you get energy within a second. They're reactive. And then you have a crush. So when you eat a lot of refined sugars, your insulin goes like this. Also, your emotions go like this. Is it the emotions? Is it the insulin? It's both of them. It's mind-body medicine, it's inseparable. And so that's one example. We hydrate well, well the body gets more fluid, it gets better communication, there's less friction. It's like adding oil to the car. It doesn't heat up as much. We don't get as inflamed. And then we start cleaning up. Toxins, heavy metals, mycotoxins, a lot of my work with modified sweet with removal of glyphosate, with detox, This part is very important. And then, as we clean our organs, it becomes easier for us. In your case, it changed your hormonal system. It changed your metabolism. This is with six children, okay? Let's let's not uh, underestimate and underappreciate it, okay? I mean, I'm one of five, my mother is 88 years old, and she looks like she's... She's sixty, you know, and she was a high judge and uh, Holocaust survival. So I, I I know this kind of of women. Uh, my mother is like this. So in uh, in any case, so now we start changing our physiology. The liver feels less toxic. We are less reactive. Enzymes are working better. Well, the gut feels the microbiome feels relaxed. The biofilm becomes less aggressive. We don't retain as much fluids we don't remain to retain as much sodium. And then our body gets healthier. So yes, it's a multidimensional approach and it has an ongoing approach on a daily basis. And it has a focused approach that happens in the spring and in the fall from a seasonal point of view, because these are the seasons of change, right? And it happening in our body, either before a medical procedure, when we are sick, after we recover from a big treatment, and on an ongoing basis, Katie, every time we exhale, we let go, we detoxify. Every time we inhale, we nourish. In between, that's when the transformation happens. In between is the moment, so it's hard in the mind, right? We have a thought after a thought after a thought. We lose the ability to recognize the space between the thoughts. But when we breathe, it's much easier. We exhale, which is in a passive movement of the lungs, And then there's this gap before we inhale. Easy to find. This is a gap where when we connect to it, we start feeling this place of things being more quiet, more spacious. It's critical, especially in women, where you have a career and you have children and you have the household. And there are so many tasks to do, right? So the trick is to find this gap. And for some people, they need two hours a day. For some people, they find out when they wake up, before they jump, they take five minutes. Sit in bed and just let your conscious open and just breathe slowly. And then when you feel that you're settled, you start your day. you live a very different taste of your day. If you love to drink coffee, it's great. But first, if you can do hot water with lemon for half an hour, an hour, let your body and drink some water, let your body start moving, warming up normally without a stimulant, detoxifying, your gut is very clean. Then you can have your your coffee organic, hopefully because of pesticides. And same before bedtime. There's a long day. you know you sit in bed and you recall all the amazing things that you have done for yourself and for others. We are a community, and we rejoice. And anything you have done that you regret, you let go. It's very important. You, you don't know, you don't carry it. And then you just, I mean, if you want, I'm kind of teaching quick healing. You can see like white light coming from the top of your head or whatever you believe in and just washing you. And then when you relax, it's an amazing journey. You know, I've done this for decades and I'm, I'm, I'm quite trained in this. And every time it amazes me that it's different. You just connect with your body and you start feeling your cells and the space between yourselves and between your emotions. And you realize, wow, there is so much space within us and out of us. And we expand. The pressure goes down. And then our sleep quality is better. And during the night, we will detoxify. So for busy women, for busy mamas, it's essential. It's essential because, you know, we we are so busy as parents and in, in career, you know, and the parenting doesn't end. I know I have kids, very successful kids in their thirties. It just gets more and more, right? So, I mean, I know from my experience. So, anyway, I want to give some specific tips for people in this world. You know,
1: yes, and I want to make sure we do reserve time to talk about the heart side. And I loved your idea of becoming more responsive versus reactive. I want to make sure we talk about that as well. But I'd also like to rapid fire touch on a few terms that you've mentioned for context on the biochemical, physiological side before we move into that. The first being you brought up, like you said, a buzzword during COVID, which was cytokine storm. And I would love for you to explain that a little bit more in depth and also how that relates to the survival paradox.
0: So our immune system is our army. It protects us. And when it gets a signal that something is wrong, which is a survival response. And galactin-3 starts it. So for example, in, in COVID, a large study is already published in August 2020. When you go to the ER, a patient who came to the ER in a large study with COVID, regardless of how big was their lung involvement, the level of the galactin-3 protein determined who later on will make it to the ICU and who will die. Which means there was already something starting this cytokine storm. What is the cytokine storm? Is the fire of inflammation, the fire of fighting starts, and it's a cascade. It's a cascade of events, cascade of of compounds called cytokines. One of the leading ones, some people may have heard called interleukin six, TNF alpha. And when they come, they pro, they fight the infection, but they do it by burning the field. And then we are left with fire and burnt field. We are left with inflammation, often internal organ, especially if there's kidney damage, it will affect the whole body and then mortality becomes like 50%. So it's a deadly event. And what we do often in medicine, we try to remove or control the cytokines, which is like catching a waterfall with a bucket at the bottom. It's not a good, not very efficient. But when we block something like galactin-3 at the top, because it's in what we call an upstream protein, we can, I'm shown it in studies, you can see a dramatic decrease in interleukin-6, in kidney damage, and of of course, in survival. And so, so we want to control the cytokine storm. The cytokine storm is the ultimate example of reactivity that doesn't stop. It's great to start, but then we need to really relax. When we are young, when the rubber band is more fluid, more flexible, we can stretch, right? And we can go back. When we are old, the rubber band is too... It's too dry, right, we stretch, boom. It gets torn and we are in trouble. So that's really that's really the approach. Now, it's natural in us because every cell wants to survive. So if we now look into our body, I like to look at cells as, as a personality, as a living person. Because a cell has boundaries, it has a surface, right? There's a membrane. And the membrane has receptors that decide what comes in what goes out, and sometimes different things come in, different things get activated based on the relationship between the cell and its environment. And of course, we have the genetic part and the epigenetic and the production of protein and mRNA and from DNA, etc. But this is genetically and epigenetically means it's affected by influence of our ancestors and their behavior also. So, This is no different than us, Katie. We respond to the outside based on what comes. If it's a very relaxed, great environment, we're in nature and it's so quiet, we become more relaxed. Our receptors change. So the cell has certain receptors that react, and they react from a survival point. The cell takes what it wants, what it needs, and it throws away what it determines it doesn't want. Now, If it's time of relaxation, it is time to produce energy slowly and efficiently. And it's called normal mitochondrial function, normal metabolic function. We take one glucose, we produce 36 molecules of ATP, but we produce it slowly without toxic byproducts. We are in crisis, we need a lot of energy, right? We need to run away, the tiger. So we produce energy 100 times faster, 100 times, but only 5 to 6% efficiency, which means we're consuming 2,000 times more glucose to get the same energy with lactic acid, with byproduct, with oxidative stress, with change in metabolism, with the idea that we can't take a deep breath. And then there's something called hypoxia-inducing factor and the cell goes into this turmoil. But that's how we survive. And the cell throws what it doesn't want outside. The lymph system collects it. It comes with the venous system. There is one organ in the body that functions differently. It accepts. Remember we talked about acceptance? There was a purpose for this. It accepts everything with an open arm. The heart gets dirty blood from everywhere. It doesn't say I'm going to get it only from the liver, but not from the kidney or just from the brain. Anything that our body doesn't want, comes to the heart, and the heart accepts. That's what happened to you. Your experience that was taught came to your heart. They came to your conscious. And then what does the heart do? It connects with the universe, with the endless, infinite possibilities of healing, through the breath, through the lungs. It lets go of the carbon dioxide, of other toxins. It lets go of the energy of what we don't want. It gets clean air. That's why we got to take care of the environment. It's not like it's 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 a good it's a good thing from a selfish point of view, you know. Uh, then you know we take linear, we get this transformation. Suddenly, what caused us, what we didn't want, what was traumatic for us, is now transformed through the universe. For the universe, our drama is not a big drama, right? It's endless time, and then suddenly we get nourishment. Now, that's quite a difference. That's transformation. And that's what you said. I won't give it up. There's gratitude around it. Because what does the heart do? The heart gives. The heart gives without judgment. The aorta, the main artery of the heart, is the stiff artery. When we contract the heart, the heart, the exhalation of the heart, the contraction is it gives clean blood everywhere. So this relationship between the heart in our body is also the relationship between us and our microbiome and between us and our community, right? If If we react to the world and nourish based on judgment, right, based on opinion, we are at the epic of this right now, politically, geopolitically, right? We support people that agree with us, we'll do anything and fight people that don't agree with us. It's contrary to the quality of our heart, of equanimity. And only once the heart gives clean blood, when it relaxes, it nourishes itself through the coronary arteries, outside of the heart. The first arteries go to the heart. So the heart nourishes itself in order to nourish others and as part of nourishing others. And it's an example of the selflessness of the heart that it doesn't nourish itself until it finishes its work. Again, the only organ in the body. And you know, these are analogies that came to me. I didn't study them from anywhere. It was like a meditation inside. It was, wow. How come nobody talked about it? It's so amazing, you know? It's like, it ties physiology with spirituality, with emotional. It all comes together. And when we realize that no matter what came to the heart, the heart was able to transform it and give clean blood, at different levels, of course, we realize that anything and everything is possible because everything changes. And that's the infinite healing power of love and compassion of the heart. It's not like a buzz, you know, new age thing. It's how we are built, right? It's what happened to you, right? And as you know, and uh, is that if we get stuck with what happened to us, say, wow, this is great, We stop the process, right? We have to keep with the flow. Every day is different. And every day we can go backward because we're human beings. We have traumas, We have difficulties. And every day we can move forward. And we have to accept it. We have to love ourselves as part of loving others because the heart is nourishing itself while it nourishes others. Physiologically, we are built to do this. The heart doesn't stop. It doesn't analyze. It doesn't judge. It just takes what everybody doesn't want and gives nourishment. That's its job. It's the head that stops, that analyzes, that thinks, that judges, right? So a lot of meditation techniques relate to the head, like becoming more spacious, quieting the thoughts, mindfulness. It's okay. It's good when you do it and after five minutes you lose it. When we drop into the heart, everything changes. So there is a process Well, like when I'm talking to you, I hear myself talking from here, not from here. I think here. And indeed the heart does have its own nervous system. There are more neurotransmitters, there's more messages coming from the heart to the brain than from the brain to the heart. Amazing, right? It's it's really, and the electromagnetic field of the heart, talking about connection, is 100 times bigger in the electromagnetic field of the brain. So every cell in our body is affected by our, by how our heart feels and the people around us. So mothers know this better than anything. You hug your baby and the moment you hug, if you can relax into this infinite love, there are no negative thoughts, you know, it doesn't work together. It's this amazing quality. And this is the quality that is going to heal the world. That's our hope, you know. We really have to grow it and share it and make it a community energy. Because when it's dark, every light shines very far. That's a little bit about the
1: heart. I love that. And I can tell that is specific to you. I've never heard it explained that way before. I think it's a beautiful way to not think of it, but feel it and understand it. This episode is brought to you by Neurohacker. As you probably know, being active with my kids and getting everything done for the day depends on me staying in my prime physically and mentally for as long as possible and valuing the most research-backed ingredients known to science for a better and more graceful and optimized aging process. There's something called senescent cells, also known as zombie cells, that are basically worn out cells that are no longer serving a useful function for our health. They can waste our energy and they take nutritional resources. They tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age, leading to things like aches and pains, slow recovery, and sluggish mental and physical energy, and associated with that middle-aged feeling. Senolytic ingredients from Neurohacker are a new thing I'm experimenting with. They're science-backed to support our body's natural elimination of senescent cells. Neurohacker packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into a formula called Qualia Senolytic, and you can take it for just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits and a much better aging process. I've been experimenting with this as well. The formula is non-GMO, vegan and gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all of them together. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee. So you have almost three months to try Qualius Analytic at no risk and decide for yourself. Go to neurohacker.com slash mama15 and use the coupon code mama15 to save 15% on any purchase. That's n-e-u-r-o-h-a-c-k-e-r.com slash m-a-m-a-15 and the coupon code mama15 to save this podcast is brought to you by Bon charge and specifically their revolutionary sauna blanket i know you've heard me talk about the benefits of sauna before and i've said that if this was a pill i think everyone would take it because of the really well-researched benefits of sauna on everything from reduction of all-cause mortality increased longevity better cardiovascular markers sauna is in general considered an exercise memetic meaning that you get many of the same benefits like sweating, like cardiovascular function, and even lymphatic movement from using sauna regularly. But I know that often it's hard to fit a sauna in a house, and saunas can be really, really pricey. And that's why I'm so excited to see things like this sauna blanket entering the market. This can really heat up your wellness routine because you get all the benefits of sauna from detoxifying to better sleep to better skin. Um, This is something I try to make a part of my regular routine routine at least several times a week. And the blanket makes it even easy to do even if you don't have a lot of space for a regular sauna because you can simply pull out this sauna blanket and roll it out, turn up the heat, slip inside and enjoy the benefits. Easy clean up with a damp cloth and then you can just roll it up and store it under a bed or in a closet. I'm a big fan of putting on a podcast or an audiobook and spending 30 to 45 minutes in the sauna. And it feels like a total brain reset and body reset. So I love making this a regular part of my routine. You can check it out by going to bondcharge.com wellnessmama and using the code wellnessmama to save 20% on a sauna blanket. Again, that's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to save 20%. You've also mentioned the word galactin-3 several times, and it seems like all the things you just talked about are a very important key in the nourishing of the body and, and all of that. But I would guess people might be curious, what are some of the ways to block that rise of galactin-3 that we don't want and to support the body through that process?
0: Right. So galactin-3, so one of my big uh, work and discoveries is that when you block galactin-3 with modified citrus pectin, with a product I... I developed called pectosol, which I'm no longer financially involved with. Uh, when you block it, you attenuate, you change the inflammatory response, you change the fibrotic response. So this is why I modified citrus pectin, pectosol, in my opinion, is I've developed a lot of the treatments in this field. Uh, at least some of them is the most important supplement someone can take because it will block the harmful effect of galactinosis. So for example. Uh, We showed in uh, biochemical relapse of prostate cancer, and when patients take modified citrus pectin, almost 90% of the patients have slowing down or stopping of the biochemical progression of the cancer. So that's a simple way. It's a simple supplement. It's a very sophisticated pectin. Just if people are very healthy, they can take only five grams a day. If they have health issues or they want to detoxify, they take 15 grams a day. That, that's that's really this should be in the foundation of every person because eventually galactin three goes up with age and it will get us. For example, centarians have lower galactin three than people in the 70s and 80s, which means already there the people with low galactin 3 are gonna make it to and be all be older, live a longer life. So it really supports healthy aging. Then we have to address our other components, how we can change our metabolism, how we can detoxify. So modified titrospectin is an excellent chelator of heavy metals, well published. I published quite a few papers on it. It also pulls out other toxins from the body. And, uh, And while it does it, while it binds to them, it actually also regulates the unhealthy inflammatory response. So that's one important thing. We got to address pesticides and toxins. So you wanna use, you know, good water filters, HEPA filter, if if the air is polluted or there are planes flying above your house. And also I developed an important, I made it a, a mission to find, develop a product that will remove glyphosate. Glyphosate is the most common pesticide, KT 300 million pounds a year in the United States. So one pound a person a year is being sprayed. And we kind of were numbed into the idea that it's part of the environment. Every person you see it in a urine analysis, every person. So glyphodetox, I don't don't have time to go over the details. I've shown with this product that we reduce very significantly the levels of, 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 of glyphosate and other toxins. So this has to be part of our daily regimen because we are exposed to it. And then each of us has to really work throughout, you know, with whatever tools they have. Some of us have very little time, very little means. So within wherever you you are and whatever you're doing, try to find a small sanctuary. It can be a corner in a room, you know, or it can be a, a larger place. Depend doesn't matter where it is. A place which is yours, where you can unwind, where you can get nourished. And so use some of the tips that I talked about, waking up and sleep... Get well hydrated. Try to stay away from refined sugars, including diet drinks. They're almost worse because they change the brain patterns, patterning, uh, which is tough. You know, there's a lot of industries that that are capitalizing on our cravings, on our stress. So yeah, so all of these are are really important tips. And on each of them, of course, we can talk for an hour or two. And I, uh, yeah, I mainly. I, I I teach meditation and healing retreats mainly in uh, in Israel for the last decade but now I'm going to start teaching here so people will go to drelias.org.com I will I will start uh, I will start teaching more and I'm going to start a podcast that really focuses on I know from my own experience I know from uh, my work with with cancer patients no you know I work mainly with cancer patients and with very sick people and we know from your story the power of the heart and the mind, right? I mean, to turn a trauma into a gratitude, it has to be transformed in the heart. There's no other way. So you're really describe in your story the transformation of the survivor pa- paradox. It's a journey. For some, it's very quick. For me, it wasn't quick. In my book, I tell the story about my grandfather who was named Isaac, who was, is, you know 10 out of twelve siblings were killed in the Holocaust and how I had pain all my life here that I knew is not mine. And when I cleared it, when I was like 58, I think, after f- like 45 years, it completely went away. And within, within it, my mother, who could never watch any programs about the Holocaust, could suddenly start seeing programs on TV without me telling her the process I went through. That's multi generational healing, and that's really part of parenthood, and it goes up and down. You know, when we clean the trauma going backward, it's going to affect all the sibling, all the offspring's going forward. That's that's really why, uh, why uh, you know, Mother Earth and nourishment is so fundamental. That's why I'm excited to be on this podcast.
1: Yeah. And I have been so encouraged to hear from so many moms who have been on similar journeys as I have and who I feel like are stepping in to become the ones that break that generational cycle. And like you said, that has ripples going forward, but also backward that we may not even anticipate. Um, I also notice, and I would guess this is also part of the key, is when when you make those shifts internally that start with the heart, all of the physical steps and the things you just mentioned and the nourishing the body and hydration and avoiding toxins, those things become almost intuitive and innate out of love and wanting to nourish yourself versus um I feel like sometimes when I was stuck in the trying to fix myself mentality. It was like, I was trying to sort of punish my body into being a certain way or force it to do a certain thing. And it, that energy shifted. And now it it's a thing I want to do that's easy and effortless to want to nourish myself, to want to get that morning sunlight, like you mentioned, and put my feet on the ground and hydrate first and give my body what it needs out of love, not out of a battle to fix these things. And so I don't know what the tangible way to help someone affect that change is, but I felt how profound it is. And I think we've talked so much about the, this, like the clearing of this, and how it all originates from the heart, which I think is so valuable. Are there any steps that you provide in your healing retreats or in your book that help people to learn how to do that and how to access it?
0: Oh, that wow! Well, you know, if you want offline, I would love to chat with you about your meditation because you went through something very profound. You went from doing things out of force, out of effort. You started touching on the quality of effortlessness. That's where innate love and compassion comes. You know, first we have, as they say in LA, "fake it until you make it." You know, uh, you really have this innate approach that's beautiful because that's our truth. That's the divine within us. You know, like people do deal Christian, we are made in the image of God. That's the divine quality, and it's it's infinite, and it's effortless. And you, what happened to you? things became obvious, right? So I can, I know from a description because I teach a lot, things became clearer, right? You could make better decisions suddenly because the clouds of the ego, of the struggle fell away. So you became motivated instead of doing it out of forcing yourself. It wasn't a chore anymore. It was a natural radiance and expression of your innate transformation. So you went from the outside, in, inside out. I already told you it's, Amazing, you know, like in homeopathic healing. And yes, but there are, of course, two. The, the first step step is to create space. But it's very important. One of the flaws in meditation is that people get attached to experiences. But then you hold to them, it's the same fixation. So whatever comes, we don't hold to it. It's very hard not to hold to things. So there are tricks to do this, and yeah, I've developed some unique tricks. And the key is really connecting to the heart and connecting the mind-heart, and really bringing some of these very esoteric, ancient, uh, millennia techniques into very simple terms that don't involve the need for cultural biases or belief systems. It's who we are. It's how our cells operate. It's how we breathe, right? We exhale air with a lot of carbon dioxide, and we inhale air with less carbon dioxide and more oxygen. That's how we function. So we take a ride on who we are anyway, So the heart knows how to do it physiologically, so it's much easier to connect to it mentally and emotionally compared to the head that always analyzes, and we have to change this innate survival pattern. And as you know, so well, I don't have to tell you just from our conversation, I know it, it's an amazing journey, right? Every day is an amazing journey. Uh, Yes, it
1: certainly is. and. I know that we started off the conversation touching on the parenthood aspect a little bit. And I'd love to circle back to that because one thing I think often is anything that I've been through on a journey of life is how can I help give my kids the framework to maybe have an easier path on that journey than I've had. And I know a lot of parents think about that as well as like, if I didn't learn nutrition until I was in my twenties, how can I help give my kids a really solid nutritional foundation for their life? If I didn't learn some of these, like meditation or therapy or whatever it was, how do I give my kids a solid foundation on that? So for many of the parents listening, are there any steps that we can integrate into our family culture, even from a young age with our kids that help them have access to this understanding and to that level of healing and to hopefully avoid that survival paradox happening in them at a young age?
0: Yes, definitely a lot. And it's not so easy today because uh, you can have a, a very shielded environment at home and then the kids are outside. So the first thing is unconditional love for your children. Is There's is never such a thing like loving your children too much. You have to be tough with them. It, it, it's, it's natural, you know. And, and so that's, that's a very basic thing. The other principle is that if your kids are going through a struggle, look inside and what's happening to you. Work on yourself. It's going to just shed off to your children. The other part is that you want to create space for your kids. So we live in a world where kids are bombarded. I cannot even imagine. So try as much as you can to get EMF media-free environments. So, you know, my kids went to a Waldorf school. They haven't had, com- they didn't have computers. They didn't watch TV, commercial TV, until they were 14. I remember there was a girl in the neighborhood that came to my daughter when she was 12. And she had very nice uh, sneakers. And my daughter told her, wow, it's beautiful sneakers. And she said, it's Nike. And my daughter turned and said, what is Nike? You know, so it was really neat. So try to shield them, try to have them. And if if it's hard with school, of course, read a book to them at the end of the day, instead of looking at something which is electronically. Have them sit and listen to classical music or do a a few breathing exercises with them. Teach them to let go of anything difficult they had during their day with their exhalation and be gratitude for what happened to them. And literally have them do this visualization of taking in healing and white light until they feel that their body is relaxed. Kids are very attentive and it will change their physiology. You know, when my kids moved from a Waldorf school to a charter school, there were some really good kids who came to the class and then the county dumped a lot of difficult kids into the class. There were, 10 kids on Ritalin out of 20, 10 out of 20. The teacher asked the kids, the parents, not to give the the children refined sugars and not to watch TV. After eight months, nine out of 10 kids were off Ritalin. Nine out of 10 kids. So this stimulation, this bombardment is really, we are not built for it. We can adjust to it. You can already see two years old, right? Knowing how to work, something is already adjusting but give them the space. Take them to nature as much as you can. If you really live in nature, it's great. If you live even in a city, take them to a park. Have them walk. Have them move their body and try to do it not only competitively. They don't have to walk or exercise because they're in a team and they need to beat somebody else and they're upset if they lost. It's good. It focuses them. It protects them. It's true. But it's create an ego-driven reality. Just have them take a walk. And I remember, again, when I was working with my kids and there were other kids who didn't have the same education, and I could see how oh, my kids could see the plants and the flowers. And other kids literally didn't see it, you know? It just it wasn't there. So have them. And then this will have a profound effect on their physiology. And at the same time, it's not an easy world. We have to protect them with nourishment, with diet, make sure they get the minimal vegetables, they get well hydrated. And yeah, it's it's, it's a journey. It's a responsibility.
1: I love those tips. And I'm reminded again and again as a mom how healing, to your point, nature is and just unstructured time and even boredom, which gives way to creativity. And so I've tried even more and more as my kids get older to reserve the space in the home for not always being busy, for letting them have boredom and letting them just go unstructured, play outside and build a fort and climb a tree. And I feel like those are often the most peaceful healing things for them when they we don't give them so much structure and like you said, competitiveness and all these checkboxes they have to do all the time, but let them play, let them be outside, let them breathe fresh air. That seems like kids adapt so wonderfully and so quickly to that.
0: Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so true. It's so important, and it's so n- not built. Everything is so structured and scheduled by 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 the minute. Yeah, these are these are huge tips. What you said now, and and it makes a difference for them. Makes a difference for them.
1: And for adults too, I'm also learning as a grown-up how just playing and being outside and having unstructured time is so restorative. And I feel like this might segue into another question I had for you, which is you mentioned teaching people to help soften their grasp on survival, and I would love for you to explain what that means and what that looks like.
0: So, when we get when we get when when outer input comes to us through our what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we touch we respond we respond immediately and inside when we have feelings emotion thoughts we respond and basically most people live their life in this immediate reactivity from the moment they open their eyes until they faint when they fall asleep and then they wake up certain people remember the dream certain don't when we start creating space between the thoughts in different ways in the last chapter transforming the the survival paradox in my book, I give the basics. And there's another book coming called The Open Heart Medicine where I teach more about when we create space, then a layer from, deeper layer comes up. A layer that some things are not as pleasant, but they're within us. And some things are amazing, insights. And as they come, first of all, they really help us get in touch with who we are in a deeper way. Just like you said, Someone can feel that they're really honest with themselves. But, and you may relate to this, but when you are honest to yourself and you're aware of only 2% of who you are, you're only 2% honest, right? I mean, it happened to you, right? And then something opened, a crack, and a whole other layer came in. And within it, whatever tools you used, you develop different tools, different responses, right? You got all the way to gratitude. There are amazing studies on on, on gratitude and health, you know. So then as things come up and we learn to open them up, then layer after layer after layer comes up. And as the layers come up and as we let go of them, this is not only detoxification, this is transformation. Because if we detoxify and then we create the same toxin again, it's an endless loop. When we transform, when we turn the lemon into lemonade, it changes the environment. So for you, you lost weight, you lost, you lost fluid, your metabolism changed, and you said, wow, it's happening on its own. Well, it's happening because you hit the jackpot, you know, you really open the door. And this is really why within, sometime in retreat, within days, people's cancer markers can get better. Especially traumatic events, uh, fibromyalgia, fatigue, would just dissipate, because it's a very intense recipe. For others, it takes a long time. It's a journey. I know my own journey, journey of others, it takes time, but it's always ever changing.
1: Yeah. I've wondered, you touched on this a little bit, but I wondered if this was maybe part of the explanation for those cases we hear of, of this like seemingly miraculous, spontaneous remission of certain diseases. And it seems like often it ties in with someone actually, like they'll say they had that moment of sort of like letting go or like not giving up, but letting go and realizing that, this experience was happening to them. And then the irony being in that letting go and that acceptance and maybe even the gratitude, that's when the physical part actually helped. It helped them as well.
0: Absolutely. You said something very quickly and very important. It wasn't giving up. It was letting go very different. Letting go comes from the heart, giving up, giving up actually comes from a different organ in the body. So very, very different. Yeah, totally. That's what happened. And if you look at what a miracle is, I talk a little bit about it in the book. A miracle is something that is unexpected, right? So if you have a probability of one to a thousand, unusual, not really a miracle. One to 100,000, wow. One to a million, that's a miracle, you know? Well, if we keep the same habits and we do everything the same, every, the outcome is going to be the same. To create a miracle, we need to change our habits and to need to change our habits, we need to let go. And that's why letting go is at the basis. Our whole journey in life is between holding and letting go. I mean, people listening can feel, especially if you're watching, contract your hands really strong, you feel the tension. Take a deep breath and exhale, just let go. Your body feels different. So just imagine this letting go happening all the time because, Katie, our exhalation is twice as long As our inhalation. There's more of a letting go than nourishment in our life. The first thing we do when we come to this world, we exhale and we cry as babies. The last thing we do when we leave this body is we exhale and let go. If anybody was with somebody that is dying, it's a profound experience, this profound letting go. So this happens all the time. And uh, women are more built into it because of the menstrual cycle. There is a nourishment, there is a build-up, and then there is a letting go. That's why women are more connected with the lunar cycle, you know, with the waxing and waning of the moon. So you seek this build-up and letting go. And then you need to let go in order to nourish, right? If we don't exhale, we can't take a deep inhalation. And that's why what you said is so important.
1: And I love so much your message and how it integrates talking about the physical things in our environment that we interact with daily and how they impact our physiology, but also what I feel like is such that really a key important part of also our inner experience and how that affects our physiology and how we have the ability to nurture that as well. So I think your message is so important and so timely right now. And I'm personally very excited for your next book, Open Heart Medicine, and hope maybe we can do another episode uh, and go deeper on that topic as well. Um, but in the interest of time today, a couple of questions I want to make sure I get to ask you. The first being if there is a book or number of books that have profoundly impacted you personally, and if so, what they are and why.
0: So the books that impacted me are not just the usual books. There's a certain book, in, an ancient book about 2,100 years old from Chinese medicine called the, Di- the the Book of Difficult Question, the Nanjing, and it contains 81 chapters that are actually 81 kinds of medicine. And I got to, to study them and read the book for years and years and years and years, and it really affected the way I I, I do medicine. And there's another book that is more confidential, where I spent a certain interpretation of a certain uh, meditation, where I spent a year just reading eight pages of it and meditating on it. That really changed my life. So yeah, I uh, definitely. And it's these are books that I go back to again and again and again.
1: I will add those to the show notes as well for you guys listening, as well as, of course, all of your books and your website so people can find and go deep with you. Um, Lastly, any parting advice you want to leave with the listeners today that could be related to everything we've talked about or entirely unrelated life advice that you feel is really important?
0: Yeah, that really is it. When we connect with our heart and with unconditional love, that we all have, sometimes we are connected to it, sometimes we are not. I'm sometimes connected, sometimes not. But when we connected with it, then anything and everything is possible. Not everyone will be a miracle, but anyone can be a miracle. Definitely.
1: I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been such a fun conversation.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for being here. And